Lang Podcast. We hope this message encourages and inspires you today. Hello, Victory Family. How are you guys doing? Welcome back. Wow, it is so good to be back here. We're live and uh, we just want to welcome everybody who's here in the Festival Mall Auditorium. And for those of you watching us online, thank you so much for joining us in our worship service this day. And um, we hope that you're all doing safe. You're you're all safe, right? Do you feel safe here? Yes, we have social distancing. We have alcohols and we have, you know, we're taking care of ourselves uh, you know, some of, uh, some of us have actually received the first jab of the vaccine. And I heard that the vaccination is uh, slowly rolling on, okay, uh, moving on. Though we, I think, we still have a long way to go. Uh, we have about 100 million Filipinos. I think uh, 1.5 vaccines have actually been given so far. How many of you know that's a, still a long way to go? But the good news is that um, I've never heard any side effects so far. Praise God. How many of you know that is great, okay? And so we've never heard of any side effects or any bad things that happened in the vaccination. So that's why when you receive your vaccine, you don't have to worry, right? Vacuna matata. It means no worries, right? And so um, anyway, we're, we're glad that you're all uh, slowly going, coming back here uh, in, the, in the center, on site. And, but yet, if you feel that you don't, uh, are not, you're not feeling um, conf- con- confident, to join us, it's fine. You are safe right where you are at home, okay? Um, you know, when you talk about what's been happening to all of us worldwide, this pandemic and this quarantine has been taking a bit too long, right? How many of you have been, you know, somehow becoming a little bit too tired of waiting? You know, we have been stuck at home. You know, my, my children, my two younger girls who are doing online learning have actually been asking, Dad, when can we go out? In fact, my youngest who's 14 years old, was asking me last night, can I go with you tomorrow? I said, you can't go because of the age limit. Uh, I know that this is the same feeling that all of us are probably having. You know, many of us are suffering, uh, going through it, you know. Um, but my, my encouragement for all of us is this. You don't have to go through this alone. You don't have to feel alone in this. You don't have to suffer alone. Uh, in these trying times, I know that there's a lot of things that have been happening. Uh, people are getting sick. Some have actually experienced death in the family. And that is so sad. We're grieving with you. And so, uh, it just in case you need someone to talk to, please connect with us. If you need somebody to pray with you, please go ahead and join us. Uh, you don't have to feel that you have to go through this thing alone. Uh, if there's anything you need, whether it's prayer, financial help, uh, somebody to talk to, somebody to just pour out your, uh, you know, your tears uh, with, please go ahead and visit uh, our, our website, victoryalabang.church slash connect or slash pray. And we will make sure that somebody will reach out to you. Okay, would you do that? For those of you who are watching, please, uh, please don't do this thing alone. We have a spiritual family. We have a community that stands with all of us. So, uh, so anyway, um, once again, we just wanted to make sure that you're safe and you're okay, okay? Uh, we've just concluded our, our series on um, assault and light uh, last week. And uh, this coming May, talking about salt and light, as uh, you have seen in the video, uh, we as a movement are having an annual discipleship conference. It's going to be us, not only the Victory Group leaders, but we're opening this to everybody. Everybody say everybody. 
For those of you who are in the chat box, okay, type everybody, okay? So we'd like to invite everyone to join us. Discipleship 2021, the main conference would be online, uh, live, this coming Saturday, May 1. Okay, that's going to be on May 1 via Facebook Live. And so uh, I think you will be uh, informed exactly what time it will be. And so we hope that you can join us for our conference. So this is not just for us pastors or ministers or campus missionaries or victory group leaders. But how many of you know that God calls us to be disciples of many? God calls everyone. In fact, discipleship is not just for a few, but it's for all of us. When Jesus said to go and make disciples of all nations, he's not just referring to his disciples. He's uh, you know, talking to the church, and that's all of us. Look at the person beside you. Yeah, okay? If you're at home, look at the person beside you. Tell the person, kasama ka doon, okay? So, all right. We hope to see you there on May 1. Now, uh, fresh from our Salt and Light series, we will continue on with our study on the book of Isaiah. You know, in fact, this whole year, as we have announced earlier on, uh, we will be looking at Isaiah as like our main book that we will study. Though we've divided it into several subsections, it is still one cohesive study. Uh, last uh, series, we've used Isaiah as... Uh, a, uh, our text for studying how to be salt and light. And today we're going to look at the character of God being trustworthy. That, you know, in the book of Isaiah, we will see a lot of things that points to his faithfulness to us. And so during this time, we would look at how God relates with us. You know, how many of you know that we are a covenant people of God? God relates with us through a covenant. We're going to talk about that more. And his unchanging character, his nature, he never changes. God is always firm in his precepts. And we will discover more about our covenant-keeping God. And when we discover that, we will understand who we are and how we are to relate with him. Now, let me ask you a question. Are you easy to trust people? How many of you are easy to trust others? Please raise your hand. Okay? Hindi naman gullible, okay? You're not gullible. But you're easy to trust, Okay? You know, when, when, prima facie, okay? When someone says, you know, trust me. Do you trust me? Parang ganun, okay? Do you trust me? Who would say yes to that? And my question for us this morning is, today, what is your basis of trust? Why will you trust a person? I mean, that's a quick uh, thought or a survey. What's the basis of us trusting another person? Maybe his character? How many of you would say yes to that? How many of you would say yes to a good track record? Consistency, right? You would trust people based on their dependability, right? That if they say something, they will do it. Now, how many of you have been a trustworthy person? That when you say you'll be there at 8 or at 9, you will be there at 8.45. You're there. You're dependable. You don't want to be late. You're, 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 you're making uh, adjustment or margin. Even for traffic, though there's not much traffic nowadays. Or honesty and integrity. How many of you know that when someone is honest and when someone has integrity, it's easy to trust that person? Right? How about God? How many of you can really trust God? Please raise your hand. Can I see a show of hands here? How many of you really, really trust God? For those of you watching at home, I have almost 100%. No, 100%, okay? Raising up their hands here. But I have another question for us. Have you continued to trust God during this pandemic? Maybe some of us have actually been praying for something and our prayers have not been answered. 
Maybe some of us are actually asking the Lord for something miraculous. And it seems that our prayers are falling on deaf ears. How many of you can relate with that? It seems that we're, we're asking for a healing for a person, our loved one, in the hospital bed, sick with COVID. And we're trusting God and we're having faith in God. And then that person passes away. How many of us can still say that our God is a trustworthy God? You don't have to answer that. Just think about it. You know, in the article from the inquire.net, I think yesterday, April 24, it says in that particular article that a number of Filipinos who think religion is important has dropped from, you know, by 10 percentage points, from 83% to 73%. All during 2020. The first poll was taken December 2019. And the second poll, that's 83%. And the second poll that resulted in 73% was taken just a few months ago, November of 2020. Why is that? Because people have been affected by what's happening worldwide. You know, from the beginning of the year 2020, the Ta'al eruption and all the other things that happened. And then the quarantine, the lockdown, the COVID, uh, you know, several typhoons heating, uh, hitting our country. You know, uh, we've had this in, in the midst of a pandemic. There are still, how many of you know that the typhoon don't care if the virus is here or not? They're just going to come. And maybe because of that, people have been disillusioned with their faith. Are you one of those whose faith is already flickering during this time of the pandemic? Maybe you're thinking, if God is faithful, then why is this thing happening to me? As I said earlier, maybe you yourself personally have gotten sick of COVID. Maybe you've lost a loved one. And it pains me because I have done several memorial services. Not for relatives of our church members, but church members themselves. And I, I hope that the family of Tita Bing does not mind this, but you know, I, I remember Tita Bing Palanca, whose grandson-in-law got sick and passed away, I think, February, late February or early March. And I remember going to the memorial service, and Tita Bing came out and went and attended that service. We sat down, I remember, spoke to her. Tita Bing is actually one of our intercessors in our church. And the person who passed away is also a member of our church. The family is, you know, they're, they're members of our church. Just a week ago, or a couple of weeks ago, Tita Bing contracted COVID. And I remember her granddaughter calling me from the hospital because Tita Bing wanted a prayer. And I just said, Tita Bing, I'll pray. Please don't talk. And she's in the triage waiting for a room. And I said, you're going to get out of this. And she was so in faith. Tita Bing is one of those who have told me, you know what, Pastor? I have experienced the presence of God. It's almost like God has taken me to heaven, you know, in the previous conversation. And that particular time, I was talking to Tita Bing. He said, she said, don't worry, Pastor A. I'm here in faith. I know my God will heal me. 
unfortunately, she passed away. But how many of you know that God healed her completely from COVID and she is forever in the presence of our God in heaven? Amen. How tough. How was tough for the family. And I cannot, I don't know, how many times we have with our co-pastors done memorial services for people in our church. Maybe some of you have lost your job. Maybe your business went bankrupt. Maybe your husband cheated on you. Maybe your children are not serving God. Maybe your best friend neglected you. Maybe you were ghosted by your job interviewer who promised a job for you. And then suddenly, nothing. Or maybe your partner defrauded you in business. I mean, you can actually add to the list. And when bad things happen to us, you normally blame it on who? You normally blame it on God. But my question for us today is, is it God's fault, really? Is God trustworthy? And I believe that as we learn about who this God is, our covenant-keeping God, through the lens of the prophet Isaiah, may may we find comfort that despite the things that are happening to us, we can still have a complete devotion and trust and dependence and worship to our trustworthy God. Amen? And if you have your Bibles, would you kindly open to Isaiah chapter 1? I know that we have gone through Isaiah 1 in the first uh, series of our uh, first part of our series, Salt and Light. But we are going to talk about this again. So I'd like to invite everybody to stand. We're going we're gonna to look at this. Isaiah chapter 1. We're just going to read three verses from Isaiah chapter 1, not the whole thing. Isaiah chapter 1, verse 2 to 4. It says, Hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth, for the Lord has spoken. Children have I reared and brought up, but they have rebelled against me. The ox knows its owner, and the donkey its master's crib. But Israel does not know. My people do not understand. Ah, sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, offspring of evildoers, children who deal corruptly. They have forsaken the Lord. They have despised the Holy One of Israel. They are currently estranged. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you would help us to see ourselves in the light of who God is. And help us also to realize that no matter how many times unfaithful we are, God will continue to be faithful to us. Encourage us today with the preaching of your word. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would comfort those who need comforting, challenge those who need challenging, and I thank you for your forgiveness upon all of us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may all be seated. Now, when you talk about Isaiah, Isaiah is known to be the prince of all prophets. Why is that? Because, you know, most of the elements in his writing is just so rich compared to the other books, not only of the Old Testament, but of the entire Bible. In fact, there's more New Testament found in Isaiah than any other Old Testament book. I mean, that's how rich Isaiah is 60 chapters, and I challenge you. I mean, we're studying Isaiah the whole year, and I encourage you to to read Isaiah. 
not read it like a newspaper or a pocketbook, but read it, you know, and just meditate on it and ask the Holy Spirit, Lord, teach me how this is done. And we're studying this together with the pastors. Weekly, we have like a sit down and we're studying through each book and we're, you know, we're looking at, you know, how God has been faithful despite the fact, because, the, you know, if you look at the context of Isaiah, Isaiah is actually written when Israel uh, was uh, in exile and they're coming back to the Lord. And it's written in the span of like four kings of, of Israel and Judah. And yet, what we can see here is the first part is like the dark part or the judgment part of God. But the second part is like the promise of the redemption and the glory days that are coming in Israel. And I believe that for all of us believers. Now, John Oswald, Dr. John Oswald said that if someone, for example, is to take 66 we have 66 books, right? If someone should take 65 books in the Bible, which one would you wish not to be taken out from the Bible? And he said, without biting an eyelash, Isaiah. I would keep Isaiah because that will give me a complete picture of the redemptive plan of God for mankind. And here we see that God is establishing a relationship with His people. Now, how many of you know that God wants to have a relationship with you, not just religion or rituals? And God relates with us every time through a covenant. Everybody say covenant. In fact, if you're watching today, and if you can actually type in the, on, on the chat box, just type that word covenant. Because this series is based on this. This series, we're going to look at how God has been a covenant-keeping God and God's faithfulness. That God's Spirit is actually helping us to keep our terms of the covenant. Now, we don't use covenant nowadays, right? The word covenant is not really used you know, in, the, in the marketplace. Uh, but maybe, maybe, maybe when you take out a loan, you know, some people call it a financial covenant. Or when you get married, how many of you are married here? You're, you're, hus- you're, a, you're a husband or a wife, okay? Marriage is a covenant. Okay? That's called the marriage covenant. But we normally use this word contract. And how many of you have entered into a contract? Maybe a lease contract or maybe a, a contract of sale or maybe a service contract with Smart or Globe or uh, Beeper 150. I don't know if you still remember that. Okay? But these days, a formal agreement is actually done just by signing on the dotted line. How many of you have signed on the dotted line? And... When you sign on the dotted line, what you're saying is you're agreeing with the terms of the contract. That there are some things that you have to do and the provider, the service provider, or the other party has some responsibility of doing as well. But the Bible talks about covenant differently. It doesn't talk about signing on the dotted line. The Bible talks about cutting the covenant. And a covenant is actually a formal agreement between two parties to fulfill certain promises or obligations. In fact, covenants contain defined obligations and commitments, but they differ from a contract in the sense that covenants are more personal and relational in nature. How many of you know that you can actually sign a contract with you know, a, uh, a tech company or maybe a phone company without even knowing that person that you're signing contract with? But you can never sign a covenant relationship with a spouse unless you know that spouse. Hello. Hope you know the, your wife or your husband. 
And in the same way, God relates with His people via a covenant. And covenant are normally accompanied by three elements. A sign. Everybody say a sign. A promise. Or a ceremony or a meal. Okay, so normally there are three elements of any covenant. For example, if you look at the covenant of God with Noah, what was the sign? of The rainbow, right? What was the promise? I'm not going to destroy the earth again with a universal flood. But pastor, what about Ondoy? Universal flood. And what was the ceremony or the meal? You know, if you're aware of this, Back in the garden, God gave everything to Adam and Eve, all the veg- vegetables, vegetables and plants and fruit-bearing trees. You can eat from anything in the garden. But when Noah was making a covenant with God, God basically told Noah in Genesis chapter 9, verse 3, everything that moves is now available for you for food. And all the omnivores would say, Amen. From Genesis chapter 1 to Genesis chapter 8, everybody was vegan. But after the flood, yeah, lamb chops are now available. When you talk about Abraham, what's the sign of the covenant of Abraham? It's circumcision, right? What was the promise of God to Abraham? That you will be a father to many nations. I'm going to promise you prosperity. I'm going to bless you. You're going to be a blessing to many I'm going to give you property. This land will be yours. I'm going to bless your children, posterity, and so on and so forth. What was the ceremony? He had to cut animals and God had to walk through between animals. That God is saying, if I don't fulfill my term of the covenant, may it be done, that I will be like these animals. That's how serious God is. He's cutting a covenant. For those of us who are married, marriage vow, what is the sign of the marriage vow? A ring. And then there are vows, right? We normally see that on the same day edit videos. And what's the meal? The reception. The new covenant with Christ, what is the sign? Communion. What's the promise? Forgiveness, redemption, adoption salvation, eternal life. What's the ceremony? Jesus giving His life for us. And the meal that is being done, that Jesus celebrated with His disciples, He said, do this in remembrance of Me. That's why we're doing it regularly. John Oswald said, covenant is the beginning of God's initiative to reveal Himself. He binds himself by his own oath to keep his covenant promises. And so he started this covenantal relationship with Adam and Eve back in the garden. Though this is not really a formal covenant. You know, if you look at and study, we don't have time to to do that right now. But there are really five, like, formal covenants in the Bible. The the Noahic covenant, Noah, okay? Mosaic with Moses, with Abraham, David, and then with Christ, okay? Now, in Eden, it's not really a formal covenant, but you see the elements of the promise of God there. That God blessed them, that they're to multiply, they're to be good stewards, and then the Adamic covenant in Genesis chapter 3, the moment that they sin, how many of you know that God made a provision already that He promised? 
redemption. And so we know that man fell in the garden and somehow this became the peg for humanity and we are a constant state of unfaithfulness with God. How many of you have always been faithful every day? It's like you, you do not sin anymore. How I wish I could raise up my hand. That's why I have three things I want to share very quickly. First is man's unfaithfulness to the covenant. Second is God's faithfulness through his covenant. Third is God's redemption in his covenant. Let's talk about man's unfaithfulness to God's covenant. And we've heard this that we've read earlier. And in verse 2 it says, Hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth, for the Lord has spoken. It's like a, it's an, it's the courtroom that God is inviting you know, all the, the, the heavens and the earth and the universe and all the created uh, creatures. And it's like a prosecution of the nation of Israel. He's presenting the case before all the witnesses. And what God is saying is, children that I've reared and brought up, they've rebelled against me. Even the animals, the ox know its owner. But my children do not know me. You know, before we used to have a, like a, a dog, uh, a brown mini pincher, and we named him Hershey. Because it's chocolate brown. And so this dog, this is a time when Bea and Jerome were still young. You know, Hershey knows all of us, but he likes Shirley the most. So it's almost like Shirley's his master. So when I would call Hershey, he would come, but when Shirley would call Hershey, whatever it is that she, he is doing, he would just come running. And then, you know, you know a dog when he is excited. You know, I'm not exaggerating. I mean that, and you know, a, a mini pinch, they don't have long tails. But you would see him wagging his tail because he's so excited with his master. Now, my eldest daughter recently acquired a Persian cat. That cat is so cute. And she named him, a male cat, Marcel. Now, cats are different from dogs. When you call a cat, he will just look at you. And then mind his own business. He will not come. That's why I believe Dogs will go to heaven. No, just kidding, okay? For those of you who are cat lovers, peace. Now, Marcel, every time Bea would bring Marcel to our home, he would just run from us. I mean, literally, hide from us. But when Bea would call him, he would know the voice of her master. And God is comparing his own people, Israel, with the animals who know and acknowledge their masters. And he's saying, even the ox know his master. Even the donkeys know their crib. But what about my people? And I wonder how God feels every time his people disobey. And I wonder how many times we heard the heart of God every time we disobey. When we choose to follow the wisdom of the world rather than the wisdom of God. You know, there are consequences when we go out of God's will. How many of you know that? But yet, there is still grace available, but I don't want us to abuse that grace. And then he proceeded to say, a sinful nation, a people 
that is filled with iniquity, offspring of evildoers, children who are corrupt. I mean, so on, on and on and on. And here, God was describing Israel as unfaithful. They decided to turn their backs on God. I can imagine the pain that is actually God is feeling during this time. That God has been faithful on his, on his side of the covenant, but the people He created were not faithful. Check out the description. Sinful, iniquity, evildoers, corrupt, forsaken the Holy One, despised the Holy One, estranged, left God. One thing is so true about God. God does not want to give up on them. And even until the present time, check out the hand of God over the nation of Israel. We received news of, from BBC, I think, yesterday that Israel is the first country that actually achieved herd immunity because they have vaccinated 100% of their adult population. I mean, talk about, wow, a small country. Yet, until today, we see the hand of God over that country. Who do not acknowledge Jesus as the Messiah, but God has been faithful to his covenant, to Abraham. Yet God does not tolerate violations of the terms of the covenant. And Dr. John Oswald observed that in the book of Isaiah, and he said, and I quote, Judgment is not God's intended last word. Rather, judgment is to lead toward cleansing and redemption. And the only, only hope of deliverance is through judgment. How many of you know that when God disciplines, it's not because He wants to destroy His children. When God disciplines, it's always a, a, a way of Him wooing them back to His fellowship. As a parent, when we discipline our children, when we discipline, give them the rod, it's not to hurt them or destroy them. It's so that they will learn how to come back to us and be restored in fellowship with God and with us. And so, God even said in verse 15, when you spread out your hands, I will hide my eyes from you. Even though you make many prayers, I will not listen because your hands, your hands are full of blood. I mean, they have a form of religion and rituals and they know how to pray and they know how to go to the, you know, they know how to sacrifice, but yet their hands are full of blood. And God does not want us to just be a ritualistic religious people and do not have a relationship with God. You know, back in the garden when Eve was tempted by the serpent, she chose to listen to the voice of God, rather, uh, voice of the devil, rather than the voice of God. And what's interesting is she chose to pick that forbidden fruit and take a bite and offered some to her husband, who apparently was with her. Adam was actually beside Eve, watching her bite the fruit. Maybe he's checking because God told him, if you bite the fruit, you will surely die. And maybe Adam was checking, mamamatay kaya itong isang to. And when nothing happened to Eve right away, she gave the fruit. Adam bit. And both of them sinned by eating the fruit, but God did not abandon them. And after the fall of Adam and Eve, all humanity were born 
with a propensity to sin. How many of you know that you don't have to teach young children how to sin? They will do it automatically because of the sin that was brought to us by our first fathers, uh, first parents. All of us, everybody say all of us, all of us have been laden with sin and iniquity. All of us have been unfaithful to the covenant of God. Yet when Adam and Eve fell to sin, the grace of God arose. And I believe Jesus, the Son of God, started preparing to go to Jerusalem at that point. That's why when God spoke to both of them with the curse, He already gave a picture of a first gospel that there will be a fruit of the womb of the woman. And he will strike the serpent on its head, but only he will be able to bruise his heel. That's a picture of God just preparing. You know, when, when all hell broke loose because Adam and Eve ate that fruit, can you imagine what's happening in heaven? All heaven prepared to come and extend grace to humankind at that point. Secondly, we want to look at God's faithfulness in His covenant. In verse 18, it says, Come. Everybody say, Come. Come. Come now, let us reason together. We've been seeing that song earlier. Jesus, our Savior, come. There's an invitation. Come. Even after the rebellion, God is inviting His people to come back to Him. We see that in, in, verse, uh, in chapter 1, verse 18. And you know, after Adam and Eve sinned, they hid from God because they were scared. We know that, right? They covered themselves with papaya leaves. I don't know what cover, fig leaves. Because of fear, guilt, shame, and they felt naked. But what did God do? God came looking for them. God didn't come to punish them. He made a provision so that they could actually have redemption. He did not come to annihilate them, but he extended grace to them. And maybe if I was God, I don't know what I will do with them. You know, I'd probably send an avenging angel or something like that. But God himself came personally and started looking for them. And you know what the question of God is? Adam, where are you? Adam, where are you? He was looking for him. And can you hear the pain of the voice of God when he was asking this question? Adam, where are you? Now, how many of you have lost someone you love? Asking, where are you? You know, the pain of losing a loved one. Maybe through a sickness. Where are you? Where are you at this time? Did your spouse betray you? And was unfaithful to you? Where are you? You know, God was feeling that pain in his heart because he lost everybody at that point. He lost his son and his daughter, Adam and Eve, and he lost the entire humanity, the potential of them, the human race. Because every time someone is going to be born, the sinful nature is there already. Maybe we could blame Adam for the fall of humanity, but the reality is all of, is all of us would probably have done the same thing if we were there in the garden. You know, ever since that time from Adam until now, God is still asking us, where are you? You know, where are you? 
Those of you who are watching from your own home, where are you? Maybe you're attending this service today and God is asking the same question to all of us. Where are you? Maybe you have just stumbled into this service via, uh, you know, someone sharing this. And you've been hiding and running away from God and God has been asking you, where are you? You know, the big difference of Christianity and other religions is this. In Christianity, God comes looking for us. In other religions, man is the one looking, trying to look for God. And Christianity is the only way, and God is seeking the lost. And God came looking for his sons and daughters, Imago Dei. God wanted to reconcile us back to him. In fact, God came searching and asking us, where are you? Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. Where are we? Whereas everybody in the world are asking, where is God? And they're trying to figure out who God is. That's why they form their own religion and rituals. Christianity is God looking for us and reaching out to us. God desires to have a relationship with us. Not rituals. Not religion. And I believe that until today, God is still searching and looking for us. Lost souls. Lost people. Here in Alabang, in San Pedro, in Paranaque, in the Philippines, in China, in the U.S., in Europe, wherever it is, God is still looking. And God has made provision, my final point, that He gives redemption through His covenant. In verse 18b, and I'd like to quote, it says, Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are like red as crimson, they shall be like wool. If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. God does not want us to remain in our sins forever. Amen. How many of you know that God wants to cleanse us and purify us and make us new? Amen. And that's the beauty of a newfound relationship with God. For Adam and Eve, an animal was sacrificed. Blood was shed for the sins of man. You know, after the flood in Genesis chapter 6, Noah with his entire family was safe in the ark. Until it landed on the mountain of Ararat. And right after that landing, God opened the door of the ark. And Noah took a few clean animals and began to sacrifice as a thankful offering to the Lord. And that was like a picture of the cross. He was looking forward to the cross. We are looking back at the cross because of the finished work of Christ. Amen. You know, this will be a good meme, actually. You know, maybe the animals felt Oh, it's safe because, you know, I was in the ark. But then they got out because they were sacrificed as a fellowship offering. But we thank God for His grace that has made the way and a fresh start for us. Amen. And you know what? The, the ark is a picture of Christ that He saves us through His death on the cross. That we are saved from our destruction. In Christ. Everybody say, In Christ. You can type that actually. In Christ, we are saved. In Christ, we are redeemed. In Christ, we are blessed in the heavenly realms. Amen. We find this in Ephesians chapter 1. In Christ, we have redemption. In Christ, we are, we are children of God. In Christ, we are, uh, uh, we are co-heirs with Christ. We have an inheritance in Christ. And maybe you're hearing this for the first time. And you thought that religion and rituals can save us. But God said in Isaiah chapter 1, bring no more vain offerings. Incense is an abomination to me. New moon and Sabbaths. I cannot endure iniquity in solemn assembly. It's not about rituals. God wants to have a relationship with us through the covenant in Christ. 
Christ's death on the cross is the ultimate sacrifice for our sins. When Jesus said these words, it is finished. This covenant is done. This covenant has been cut. This covenant is binding. And He ever committed Himself to make us purified. And no matter how unfaithful or how, how many times we've fallen, as we walk with God, how many of you know God always comes and seeks for us and restores us? Is He trustworthy? He always is. In our sin and pain and sufferings, He's the one looking for us. It's not the other way around. We're not looking for God. Adam received grace from God. Noah received grace from God. Israel received redemption from God. We also receive grace from God. Though your sins are like scarlet, they will be white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they will become like wool. If Noah found grace and favor in the eyes of the Lord, how many of you know that you and I found grace and favor in the eyes of the Lord? And each of us need to find that personal grace to enter the ark that only Christ can provide through His death on the cross. My main point as I close is this. God is always faithful to His covenant with us even if we are not. Let's bow our heads right now as we pray. Father, we are so amazed with Your unfailing love. Father, I thank You, first of all, for those who are going through some pains and suffering right now. I pray that You would assure them that you are a trustworthy, compassionate God, a God who loves us, a God who made provision, a God who may have allowed these things to happen, but yet you will not leave us in judgment, but you're always providing a provision for us to be saved. If you're here today and you want to receive Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, maybe what you know is that you have been looking for God, but the reality is God has been looking for you. God has found you. My question for you today is, will you accept this free gift of eternal life? And if you want to do this right now, I invite you to say a short prayer. Just follow along with me. Let's bow our heads. Lord Jesus, I acknowledge that I am a sinner needing a Savior. Thank you for giving your life to me so that I can be saved from my sins. I confess that Jesus is Lord and I believe that He is raised from the dead. Therefore today, I know for certain that I am saved, that You have redeemed me. I have been washed. All my sins have been taken away from me, and I am now as white as snow. I belong to the family of Christ, of God. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. If you receive and you pray that prayer, you are now a child of God and you have eternal life. Make sure to subscribe and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Feel free to share this message with your friends too. 
For more information about our church, visit our website at www.victoryalamang.church.